Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Maury Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And today we have a smorgasbord of topics to talk about. Maybe you want to call it potluck. Maybe, is there another big long word you can think of, Spoon, that would really, like, do justice to what we're going to talk about on today's program? A sparkly rainbow of cascading cavalcade of topics. Couldn't have said it better. We are going to talk about more than one thing. This is one of those episodes we can take advantage of one of those times where you guys might have asked us about a question. We can address that today. We can talk about topics like, oh, I don't know, the Martin OM18 is back in stock at Maury's Music. We can talk about the new backstage from the Cage show. Martin has a backstage program. They've put out two or three more episodes of From the Cage since we last told you about that, and lots more. So please stay with us. And if we're very careful, we'll even get to an episode of 20 Questions because we missed the opportunity last week. Oh, that's right. That's right. We got too busy, too Gabby. Next thing you know, it was time to go. Yeah, that rhymes. Spoon, I'll let you pick the second topic. If you'll indulge me and let me talk about the brand new, exciting OM18 that's finally back in stock after all these years. If you allow me to say, well, it's about time. <laughs> the OM18, I know it's a guitar that's near and dear to your heart. And let's just cut to the chase. I know you actually... I don't know if you had him in a headlock or if it was a casual conversation, but you did tell me one time you were telling Chris Martin that this guitar needs to come back. Is this 2024 <laughs> version of the OM18 exclusive to Mari's music? Is that why this happened? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you would know more than I would, but since you brought it up, yes, there a long, long ago, in fact, the very first, uh, what we now call Martin Fest, a bunch of people got to have uh, lunch with Chris Martin in his uh, boardroom. I didn't know what was going on at the time, but I came in later on and and was there for him having an impromptu talk with a bunch of us, and maybe like 15, 20 people by the time he uh, you know, gave his impromptu uh, speech and conversation and gave me an opportunity to give him a CD of a song that I had written called The Disciple about... Uh, that was inspired by the idea of uh, someone back in the days of the Erie Canal and the uh, Great Canals going to the Mississippi of, you know, coming from far away to seek out Mr. Martin in mythical Nazareth, Pennsylvania to build him a guitar and all that stuff. And after we were all done and he sat there in his office for a long time signing the inside of people's guitars, he was finally done and exhausted and I was haunting his office, and I was the last one to leave. And I turned around and I said, you know, <laughs> I wanted to thank you for introducing the OM18V. I said, I bought the first one that came to New York City. And um, prior to that, I had owned a Collings, a Mahogany OM, and a Bourgeois uh, OM, which I both sold. And I said, you should really think about bringing back the standard OM18. And he looked a little skeptical, and I said, you know, it's, you know, with the modern neck and the long scale, and, you know, and he looked thoughtful and, like, he appreciated what I said, and, and of course, then we never saw the OM-18, uh, except extremely briefly many years later. So, if in some small way I inspired Mari's music to occasionally offer batches of custom OM-18s, I'm greatly flattered. 
Well, I mean, it's true. You and I talked at length over a lot of episodes about which guitars belong where, and it wasn't that long ago uh, we talked about certain models in the Martin lineup have been around, but they don't last. Just take a look at the standard series. You can buy a 0018, a 0018, and you can't buy an OM18, but if you go to the Rosewood side, you do have the 0028, the 0028, and an OM28. And without making this a lot longer just to fill up time, why is it that the double O's, you can, you can buy either one, the triple O, you can buy either one. It, it's probably something we really can't answer. Why would they not do an OM18? We, since we couldn't answer that, we decided to order it. And we talked about doing that, threatened to do that, uh, made it public on a couple of our other YouTube programs. And we got enough of a, a reaction that I figured, even if we only order 10 of them and bring a couple at a time, even if it's not the big hit where they all tell all 10 of them sell at the same time, or they don't all sell on a pre-order. If we do very well with the OM28, why not give it a try? So what we did was, and I'm not sure if you got to see the specs yet, the only two differences we, we made is the fact that it's a long scale instrument and it's got the OM pickguard. Everything else about the triple O was already great. And in recent times, they actually made it scallop bracing and a one and three quarter inch nut. So some of the work was already done for us. You'd have to go back in time pretty far to find a one and 11 sixteenths triple O 18 with non-scallop bracing. Maybe that's a good trivia question. Can you answer that for us at the end of the program? When the last time was that the triple O 18 was a narrow neck straight braced? One of the uh, interesting things about this is since the OMs were reintroduced uh, originally in 1969, but really didn't get into the catalog until 1990, uh, they were made with quarter inch bracing where the triple O's were two and where um, five sixteenth inch bracing, and um, and this um, quarter inch bracing uh, has been around, uh, and you know, to, until you expect an OM to have quarter inch bracing, and the triple O's had uh, the five sixteenth inch bracing, um, except for the reimagined triple O eighteen, which has scalloped quarter inch bracing, and so. Uh, so in other words, this is what I would consider a true traditional OM18 because it has the quarter-inch bracing in addition to the one and three-quarter-inch nut. Now, these widths, um, so this, this is still the high-performance neck with the two and an eighth-inch and the two and five thirty-second string spacing. Is that correct? Yep, yep. So it's a modern OM similar to the OM42 and the OM28 that is currently available in the Martin catalog. And so I think it's a great idea. Uh, for those who are not that familiar with the uh, difference between the OM, the orchestra model, and the triple O or triple knot, um, it's, uh, these days it is literally the scale is different. And so when you get into longer scale, the body size is exactly the same. And in the case of the 18s, and with this custom versus the triple O, you've got the same bracing size. So it is all about the string, extra string tension, and the extra room between the frets. When you get up in the higher frets, you have more room between those frets. It's a little easier to, uh, to play up uh, near the body on an OM, in my opinion. Um, but that string tension injects more energy into the soundboard, so you get, in my opinion, a bigger voice out of what is essentially the same guitar. And more powerful, more headroom, doesn't overdrive as quickly uh, when you're strumming hard, and uh, it's what I call the, the 
tone bubble, that OM tone bubble, where it seems like it's radiating in all directions, where triple O's tend to be more, in my, to my ear, more focused and forward shooting. So, um, so bully for you for bringing back the OM-18. Well, thank you. I thought you might like the idea, and here's hoping we find enough people to actually make it worth our while, but we are very, very glad to revive it. And before we go too far into this podcast, why don't we take a break and listen to a sound sample of the Martin OM-18. back. What do you think of that, Spoon? Well, I thought it sounded uh, nice and full. I uh, didn't mention bass response, but some people feel that the OM gives you uh, uh, at least a throw to your bottom end, if not uh, truly uh, more bass response than a triple O, but that's what it sounds like to me. And I don't want to give too much away, but I did a comparison between the OM-21 and the OM-18, and I'll tell you the truth. There are times I'm not exactly sure which one I'm hearing. I'll just leave it at that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, they have uh, this material that you can put in to clear out that earwax, and um, <laughs> you can get it at your local pharmacy. Um, <laughs> for our folks at home, Mari is playing with a Q-tip. <laughs> so why don't we put a cap on the OM18 talk, except to say if you want more information, please contact us back channel. And we're on to the second topic of our smorgasbord cavalcade, whatever Spoon called it earlier. We have more stuff to talk about is what I'm trying to say. We've done some uh, blabbing about the Martin Nam offerings in other uh, podcasts. So I would just like to uh, talk about it. some things that I thought was interesting uh, from this uh, Nam that's non-Martin related. Uh, first of all, uh, and really from their two major competitors, I'll just stick with uh, some of the stuff that Gibson was offering in the acoustic guitar world and and Taylor. Uh, this, of course, is Taylor's 50th anniversary. So they have a they have a speaking of a rain sparkling rainbow of uh, you know cascading cavalcade of instruments. They have a variety of uh, uh, 50th anniversary instruments at different price points. Um, their main ones, their real anniversary models, are all done in size 14, which equates to uh, to Martin's grand performance, uh, the, the GPC size, and um, of some really interesting uh, tonewood combinations. There's there is one in the 300 series. Um, there's one I don't remember which are, which are, which are in which series necessarily. There's one in the 800 series that has a lot of bells and whistles. That's Indian rosewood and sinker rosewood, um, sinker uh, redwood top, Californian uh, sinker redwood. 
and um, there is one with sapelli back and sides and a torrified citrus spruce top. There is one that's made in uh, the uh, species of eucalyptus that's got a bunch of different uh, names, but Taylor has chosen to uh, refer to it as um, urban ironbark, I think is what they're calling it. And, um, and it's basically a species of eucalyptus that was transplanted uh, from Australia, like in the you know, beginning of, uh, beginning of, a, of California in the United States in the 1850s. And, um, and is now abundant in California as a domestic hardwood. And don't be surprised if we don't see it on Martins now with their new Inception series heading into um, trying to develop Wow, uh, an interest and a market for um, homegrown hardwoods that can be used to make acoustic guitars. Uh, they they also have a walnut model a, in Taylor, and they all you know they're all much fancier in terms of the trim and and so uh, you guys may want to check those out. Uh, the Taylor fiftieth anniversary um, models, and I'm looking forward to seeing them eventually in stores in New York and getting a chance to see what it sounds like. Uh, many years ago, uh, Manny's Music um, made, they, made that store rest in peace uh, that was on 48th Street, had ordered D28s with redwood tops, and uh, it's the only time I've ever seen uh, that I can remember uh, redwood being on a, on a Martin, um, and, but that was many years ago, so I honestly don't remember what they sounded like. But, um, and then on the other side, from Gibson, uh, Gibson has what they're calling their ebony series, I think is what they're referring to them. But basically they are, uh, their classic models, the SJ200, the J45, uh, and that hummingbird they're using for their square-shouldered uh, jumbo or dreadnought, you know, that, that Gibson had come out originally to compete directly against the, the uh, you know, the Martin dreadnoughts. And then also their songwriter uh, model, um, a songwriter model that they came out with to, you know, kind of compete against Taylor uh, large mm -hmm. bodies. Um, all of them have uh, ebony fingerboard and bridges, and all of them have uh, gloss black finishes with white trim. So they're very, very Johnny Cash-ish looking. Oh. And, um, and I'm, you know, they'll be around for for a while, you know what Gibson is like, a lot of these models come and go. They definitely like to limit them, so I'm not sure how long these models will be in uh, service or available. But I thought of the stuff that I did see in terms of the acoustic guitar world, those were the ones that, that I was uh, most interested in seeing and playing as soon as possible. But what did you, what did you see out there in Nam land? Well, the one thing that really struck my interest more than anything else was LR Bags. Uh, last year, or at least last summer, it might have been almost a year ago, they came out with a Hi-Fi pickup, which is pretty similar to the Trance Audio in the fact that it's two shoebox little sensors, lives on the bridge plate, and they finally added a microphone to that system. I think it's called the Duet. Uh, clearly, I don't, I'm not excited enough to know what the names are, but I know that you can buy a system now from them that pairs a microphone with that bridge plate sound, and it's supposed to be that last little puzzle piece that makes a bridge plate sound even a little bit more airy, microphone-like. And uh, you've heard me talk a lot of times about this subject. Just 5 or 10% of a microphone sound inside a guitar's cavity could really be all the difference. And I would doubt that you need to turn it up all the way or you know, have 50-50 blend or, God forbid, all microphone and no bridge plate sound. 
but it's the new LR bag system that I'd like to hear. Um, I'm so slow on the draw that I was going to get a copy of the original system through them five, six, seven months ago. And then over the summer, I thought it's, it's been too long. Let me go make the, the necessary call. I got busy. So now my when I finally do get a chance to try the, the new system, I'm pretty clear that when you do install the one that has the microphone, you can turn the microphone 100% off anyway. So it's the best of both worlds. But that's the one thing. I'm not necessarily keeping tabs on Gibson and Taylor. Uh, now that you said what you did, I, I, I would like to go and, and check out the those Taylors sound pretty interesting to me. But it's the LR Bags duet, hi-fi duet, 2024 version of the hi-fi is how I'll say it on this on this show. I might come back here later and edit this segment and say it correctly, but that's the one that's that makes me think that I would want to try it. And I'm, I'm always, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the trance audio sound, but I'm always looking for what's better. That's how I found trance. I found K&K before that, and it, it all goes backwards from the, the never-ending search. So that's the one thing that, that the NAMM videos that I've seen has, has caught me from scrolling past it on my phone. When I saw it, I, I stopped and watched, if that makes sense. Well, absolutely. I, I you know, Bags has, has been very uh, important in, in pushing the envelope and, and creating competition uh, for innovative acoustic guitar amplification technology uh, going back um, to when they were experimenting with the magnet sound holes, um, the, the, uh, the things that go under the saddle, of course, the bridge plate pickups, a whole a slew of them, and some people are huge Bags fans, uh, always the latest and greatest. You know, they, they're big on having celebrity testers. Bonnie Raitt and Jackson Brown helped develop uh, some of their uh, pickups over the years. And I have not heard this new hi-fi, but I've seen a lot of postings about it, about people who are saying, you know, this is the total game changer. I'm old enough, you know, uh, that I heard this for so many decades by various pickup uh, systems <laughs> that that um, I'm glad, you know, that, that people continue to move forward with, with this. Um, you know, conversely, the new uh, Aura HD stuff um, has been tweaked yet again, so that's new for 24 2024 in some of the new Martin models. So, uh, you know, the more the merrier in terms of trying to improve uh, amplified acoustic guitar sound. Um, when it comes to acoustic guitars, they all sound like pickups to me. So it's really more a matter of, well, is it pleasant? Is it not harsh? Is it not, you know, if it doesn't sound bad, I'm happy with it. I think most people are used to the sound of plugged in acoustic guitars enough that that no one's really expecting it to sound exactly like a uh, acoustic guitar, even though they keep claiming it does. And um, But on the electric guitar scene, I think the thing I thought was coolest, uh, there's an Epiphone Dave Growl model that came out that looks really cool. It's got like a gray, silver, uh, almost like a car, you know, almost like a Rolls-Royce car silver finish. Yeah. Um, that's, like my car. It's based, yeah, like your car, based around the... Uh, Based around, inspired certainly by the Gibson ES335, but it's got a, a goose head, you know, what I always called as a kid, but the, the sort of uh, Fender Strat looking head on it with the tuners mm. all on one side. Um, but a cutaway, I mean, not cutaway, uh, a uh, hollow, you know, semi hollow body similar to ES335. Okay. ES and so I'm really curious. I'm curious to know the story behind that. I'm curious to know if he was actually involved, if this was something, or if this is, uh, you know, more 
uh, you know, if he had any involvement at all. Uh, yeah. I guess it's neither here nor there whether it comes to celebrity association, but it looked really cool, and I'm sure that would be a lot of fun to play, if not own. So that was the one of the electrics that really stood out to me. As as uh, not only that, it's not very expensive, you know. So it's Epiphone's made in Asia, and um, and would uh, certainly be good looking. Um, which does matter to a lot of people when it comes to being on stage. Well, if we're allowed to talk about electric guitars, I want to add an answer and say Reverend has some new cool stuff I got to see. We used to carry that brand, and it didn't really work that well for us as far as sales, but that has nothing to do with what I think of them uh, as a player, and I really, really love the Reverends that I own. Uh, Ken and company had a really good showing. They had a, a pretty big booth. And I, I can't really remember a lot of the, the new model names, but it was it was new enough. It wasn't just new colors. It was like another Billy Corgan. I think there's another Pete Anderson Telecaster style, but there was a, a good a good rundown of the entire booth, and they, they had a big showing. So I'm not shopping for a guitar right now, but if I was, I do have a, a Fender Strat that Lori got me for my 40th birthday, and I'm, I'm really like locked into that, that I don't need one. But when my eye does wander, I, I seem to wander towards Reverend Guitars when I see them online. And just to circle back way back in this podcast, maybe 10 minutes ago, if you guys are watching and following along on the YouTube version of this podcast, please let me know in the comments. When Spoon quickly said Taylor's 50th, did you think he said Taylor Swiftieth? Because I thought he did. <laughs> Well, we're actually recording this episode um, virtually on the eve of the Super Bowl, so we may have to we may have to throw out our predictions at the end of this. When I mean throw them out, I mean because they're probably gonna smell pretty bad. <laughs> but by the time we throw them out, yeah. but uh, but yeah, you mentioned Fender. That Fender had uh, uh, came out with a crop of guitars too, and and so they're you know various uh, strats and the like that have some interesting looking woods and, you know, stuff like that that I really haven't delved into yet. But uh, there was certainly a pretty big crop of uh, interesting uh, uh, guitars, both acoustic and electric this year at um, all sorts of price points. So, But my head has, of course, been mainly into Martin because I ran into technical problems with all of my stuff. And so I've been greatly set back and, and you know, like two, two weeks uh Late on getting my own uh, one man's guitar uh, stuff up about the Martin Nams, let alone all the other stuff. But but they're coming along and they'll be out pretty soon. They by the time people hear this, they'll probably already uh, a lot of that stuff will already be online. But I certainly enjoyed the new Martins and um, looking forward to seeing how well they are received once they're out in the world. And I know there is a, a, a bunch of interesting pedals out there, too. I know that Jack White's got a deal with, I don't remember which com company it is, but there's uh, some you know pedals that were designed either by or in conjunction with Jack White uh, mm. that uh, people may want to check out that looked pretty cool. And I think even maybe an amp or two uh, that he oh. had a hand in. Um, but uh, so, yes, another NAMP has come and gone. And, you know... They, uh, we could probably stand, you know, sit here and name at least 20 brands that had new stuff coming out. But since we missed 20 questions last week, maybe we should stick that in here now before it gets too much later on in the show. 20 questions. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, it's my turn to ask you what kind of guitar you're thinking. Am I right when I say that? 
I believe that's correct. We can certainly go with that. I don't know who's keeping score out there with your little uh, chalkboard of just how many times Spoon, the wise guy, has managed to stump Smart, mm. the smart guy and vice versa. But um, at least twice. I am going to try to do so again. I'm going to think up a Martin guitar that is available for sale out in the world today and see if, am I going to throw a slow ball by him like Bugs Bunny in that famous cartoon where the guy was going, one, two, three, you're out, one, two, three, you're out, one, two, three, you're out, and strikes out a side on one very slow ball? Or am I going to have to get a real curveball in here and uh, or since we are talking about the uh, famous Mari Rutch, a screwball might actually be uh, in line or out of line as screwballs are. So that's uh, that's uh, that has allowed me enough time to actually think up of a model that is now available for sale out there in the world from Martin, and I am going to allow Mari Rutch twenty questions. To guess which model that is, and I'm going to uh, give him up to three model choices, but each one of those choices counts as a guess. So 20 questions are on the clock. I'll keep going right here, but I just remembered it's your turn, but does it matter? <laughs> I just remembered, but do you care? <laughs> well, I've got one now stored up for next time. Okay. Yeah, all right. So everything he said, but reversed polarity. 20 Strike questions that. on the clock. Reverse it. <laughs> 20 questions on the clock for you. Go. Is this guitar a custom OM made in 18 styling? The way that happened, I didn't have time to think of one, so I just thought of the one we just talked about because you had told me more than two or three times we would never do that together, and then we would, and then we wouldn't. And the way this landed today, I thought you'll never, like you'll really never, never think of that. God. Congratulations. Uh, well, that makes up for last week. So now it's your turn to guess 20, get 20 questions to guess the guitar that I had in mind. All right. Wow. 20 questions are on the clock. Is this guitar a custom shop? No, that's one question. For a split, split second, I really did think you were going to do it to me and repeat that same guitar. <laughs> is this guitar made in Nazareth? No, that is two questions. Is this guitar a dreadnought? Yes, that is three questions. Is this guitar in the Road Series? No, it is not in the Road Series. Is this guitar in the Remastered X Series? 
Yes, it is available. Well, I forgot about the whole. Yes, it is. A, it's available for sale, and I think it is part of the remastered X series as well. So it hasn't been discontinued. You're tripping me up a little bit by saying you think. So, <laughs> does this guitar have a HPL top? No, this guitar does not have an HPL top. Very good guess. Six quid. Is this guitar a six-string guitar? <sighs> no. Well, it has six strings on it. Does this guitar have more than six strings on it? <laughs> to make me buy another yes. guess. Come on. <laughs> wow. Um, is this guitar the D2XE 12 string? Yes, it is. DX2E 12 string is another way to say that. I wasn't going to penalize you, but now that you mentioned it. Um, but yes. That Thank you. What made you pause about it still around? I believe it's what they used to call a red herring. <laughs> to distract well, you and possibly lead you down the wrong train of thought. Well, you, um, that was a good try. I mean, I, I'll never beat your record now. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly mad that that happened. First guess, that's like the, that's like the 109-yard kick return. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's happened to me too. So I'm proud of you. Um, so yes, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I really like that 12 string a lot. You know, I've never owned a 12 string. I always say it's it would be an extravagance for me. I would never use it enough, even though I love to play them and experiment with them and stuff. And for the price, with a solid top and very good string spacing, so I found it very easy to pick and and even finger pick um, by 12 string standards. I thought that new X-Series uh, with the new top, with the new beveled edge to the fretboard, uh, the thinner, uh, the thinner, you know, 1930s thickness to the, to the solid wood fingerboard and solid wood bridge and all that stuff. Yeah. I thought uh, very successful model, particularly for the price. Well, speaking so, of traveling, you were talking about NAM and there's something called the Tone Traveler. There's also something called the Tone Right. These devices are... I guess they're sold with the intention that they're going to get, give your guitar playing time when you're not able to. So if you play your guitar for a few hours, put it in the case, go on vacation, your guitar is going to fall back asleep. It's the whole science about how a guitar opens up from playing and vibration and the fact that it's moving. When you're playing your guitar, if I play my guitar every hour, every day for a week, Spoon has the same model in New York and he's not playing his at all. Mine should sound more opened up than his after a week, after a month, that's the whole part of the whole debate. These two devices, the Tone Traveler and the Tone Right, are both manufactured to, to simulate guitar playing when you're not able to do it. And I haven't spent a lot of time on the Tone Traveler website, but I've seen the Tone Right. I've tried one in, you know, years and years ago. I, I think Marshall might have loaned me one of his, or there might might have been one that like made the rounds. I'll try it, then you try it. I never did try the the Tone Traveler, but First off, have you do you have any experience with either one of these spoons? 
I do, actually. I own a tone right, and um, I actually have two of them because I have one that belongs to a friend right now as well. And I haven't uh, utilized them in a long time because I haven't purchased a guitar. And I've not really used them to wake up uh, guitars. My guitars don't tend to sit around too long uh, to get sleepy, though. Though, that's now that I think about it, my Triple C uh, 16 with the Sitka top has, and I, and I thought, well, maybe... Maybe uh, while you were mentioning this, that maybe I should get out the tone right and put it on there, um, because I'm going to be doing some string uh, experiments, trying out some different strings that people have recommended, and so I was going to try them on mahogany and rosewood. So maybe I should get that uh, get that guy out and wake him up. But um, I'll go back again to the very first Martin Fest. On the very first day, there was a fella there who had been on the forum, uh, the unofficial Martin Guitar Forum. Uh, extolling the the virtues of taking a massager like something you would use to you know massage body parts and it was something that had some kind of massager that had suction cups on it and i don't know how that worked but you were they were he was putting it on his tops to basically do exactly what we're talking about and he absolutely swore that it improved a new guitar and basically helped break it in and for many, many years, people used to say, when you buy a new guitar with that stiff top, you put it on a stand in front of your stereo speakers and you blast loud music and let it vibrate the top. And people would say that this really works. It replicates hours and hours of playing. Um, I would go so far to say that I, when I got the tone right, when those finally came out, based on this... this uh, folklore about this stuff and people actually starting to do uh you know research it um and i'm sure there were other products other than the tone right but the tone right was the one that really took off it was like yeah. the model t that everybody bought um it's a it's about the size of a deck of cards but thicker and maybe not quite that big a footprint um with these grooves in it that basically fit where the strings fit and it sits between the strings and and on the bridge, and it basically vibrates the bridge. And um, and you plug it in, and you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to leave it on for a few hours just to make sure it didn't cause any harm. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe your bridge isn't really glued on well enough or whatever they always said to try it out, and then leave it for like 48 hours. And I definitely heard a difference. It definitely did something uh, to, um, to a new guitar. And people were saying it would also do it, like you said, wake up a guitar that's been sitting around. Total big believer in sleepy guitars, particularly at least with Sitka Spruce. I remember going into Mandolin Brothers and taking a OM28 uh, from the early 90s that had been sitting all the way up in the corner, literally covered with dust on the shoulders. And it sounded dead as a doornail when I first started playing it. And it, it wasn't my ears adjusting or was it really waking up, but it really seemed to wake up. Um, and I really liked it. And I took it off and I played it for like two hours in one of their private rooms and put it back where it was. And the week, week later, it had sold. So was it completely wow. coincidental that somebody bought it? Um, or did I wake it up and somebody played it and it was, you know, and it had after sitting there unplayed for an unknown amount of time, um, did you know? Did I contribute to that guitar being sold? I have no idea, but um, but I I would do what I started doing with my guitars and the tone right is I started 
putting it into open G and running it on G and I put it in uh -huh. open A and I put it in open D and I put it in open E and uh, thinking that maybe it would help focus on those frequencies because there would be times with these Martins with these solid wood guitars and I used it on, on my uh, Collings back when I had a Collings and on the Bourgeois as well. Every so often you would hear this like spooky harmonic kind of ring would just show up. You could just kind of hear it going, you know, just its slight overtone coming out of the, of it, uh. Uh, of the guitar. And so I started putting in the open tunings, thinking that perhaps it would be help, help on, on the various, uh, uh, you know, specific uh, frequencies. And I don't know if there was, any, you know, I don't have any science to back that up, but that's how I used it. But like I said, I haven't actually got them out in a long time. So it would be interesting to experiment uh, with that again and see. Uh, as, for, as for the Tone Traveler, I have never seen one, but it's a similar technology and actually looks like a fancier technology, though I've never seen it or, you know, in person or put it to use. Um, but Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I seem to remember liking the Tone Right. I don't remember liking it enough that, like, we didn't try to sell them. But at the same time, I don't remember giving it back to someone and saying, um, not for me. I, I probably had like a cloudy opinion of it, and I wasn't terribly sure if I should be, you know, extolling the virtues of it or if I should warn people not to do it. It was probably somewhere in the middle. I do believe in the idea of it. And if, if I do believe what you're saying, which I do, if you play the guitar a lot, it's going to sound better. How does the guitar know that it's a hand or, you know, uh, an electric electronic thing? So it, it, it shouldn't make a difference, and that, that means it should work. Um, if anybody here watching on the YouTube version, please let us know in the comments. Do you have one? Do you know somebody who's used one? What are your thoughts on that whole idea, whether it's the Tone Right or the Tone Traveler? And more specifically, if you know that one is much better than the other, just for my own benefit, I'd love to see you know somebody put some real research into print and let us know what you really think. I'm, I'm curious enough now that I do want to go locate a Tone Traveler uh, within the next few months, even if I have to borrow one or try one with a return policy, but I'm curious. I have a lot of opportunities here while the inventory's still on the shelves. Take a triple O 12 ECOA, Tone Traveler one, play them you know, play them both and do some AB. The thing is, like you said, how do you really know what you're hearing? And if you played that one guitar at Mandolin Brothers and you woke it up, I'd love to know if someone else's ears could hear you playing because those of you guys listening that are guitar players, you recognize that while you're playing something, it's a different sensation with your ears than if somebody's playing and you're not. So I, I'd really be curious to see how to quantify that. But my short answer would be that it, it should work. And I, I definitely don't have enough information to tell people not to go near them. If you want to try something like that, I think it'd be a, a definitely worth your time. Well, I know there you know, there's skeptics out there that say there's no such thing as a guitar opening up. But it's just, that's just simply not true. There There's, there's guitars that, you know, clearly sound better um, as they age. And, I mean, that's just, it's an established fact. And um, some of it comes from uh, the, the environmental impact and, and a guitar slowly losing its inherent moisture and all those so sorts of things that allow vintage guitars to, to, uh, to sound the way they do. And that torrefaction when they bake the tops is supposed to, you know, replicate that same treatment over, but over a much shorter period of time. But certainly playing it and getting the body vibrating and getting the glue joints 
vibrating and and the and and all those different pieces of wood uh, exchanging energy over a long period of time, but most specifically the soundboard. Um, likewise, solid wood tops, mahogany tops, koa tops, walnut tops, they sound so much different uh, after they've uh, somebody's owned them and played them for you know, like two years, and so they. They and then decades later, some of the best sounding Martins are the ones that have coa tops from the 30s, and uh, and I can flat guarantee you they didn't sound anything like that when that coa mm-hmm. that really heavy hardwood coa top was brand new. Um, so yeah, I, you know I I believe in the technology, um, but I also like the fact that I am. Uh, aging my guitar, as it were, and breaking my guitar in, and uh, you know, it's and it's getting used to my playing and reacting to what how how I play. But um, here's an experiment for people who are going to do this. There is uh, at least on guitars made with traditional dovetail neck joints, like like Gibson and Santa Cruz and Martin. There's what I call the the dead man's note, what I've always called, um, which is on the A string. I believe it's that the ninth fret, you, fret. You'll certainly find it because it's the thuddiest note that produces the least amount of sympathetic overtone from other strings. And the longer you play a guitar and the longer that note gets played, that breaks in and, be, and the guitar responds more to that frequency. I would be curious. I, I didn't do this myself, but I would be really curious to see if you took a brand new guitar that was not played very much and you really applied this technology... I would be curious to see if, um, as that top improves in tone because of this technology, does the dead man's note improve, or is that something not specific enough and you have to really fret that note and really play it over and over and over and over for that frequency to really uh, become enhanced by that instrument. But um, be curious if somebody... Somebody else has the time and energy and wants to buy a new guitar and put it through that experiment. <laughs> Get back to me in six months. I'd be curious to know. <laughs> and I wonder if, if they would tune that, tune more than one string to that. Is it, you say ninth fret on the bass? I think it's the, ninth, it's the ninth fret. It's either the eighth, ninth, or tenth fret on the A string. I'm pretty sure it's the A string ninth fret, but I don't remember. But I say okay. dovetail neck joints, bold on guitars do not have that same. It's a phenomenon. Wow. A uh, phenomenon that that does not exist on bold-on neck guitars. They, that note sounds much better. I've noticed this across multiple brands, but it's something about that that construction that seems to have the an enhanced or whatever the opposite of enhanced dead man's note would be. But because I wonder if you capo at the at the ninth fret and do some tuning magic on the other strings to like really make that note happen more than once, if that would hurt you too. That's an interesting question. Can you say Dead Man's Note one more time? Dead Man's Note. <laughs> it just sounded like something Western to me, and I don't get to use that sound effect that much anymore. So um, why don't we shoot right into the next topic before this episode's over? I did want to tell you that Martin has released two or three more episodes of From the Cage. And if you're a backstage access member on martinguitar.com, you've seen those episodes. I've seen a little bit of the... uh, One of the episodes was Felix the Cat, the 2007 guitar, featuring artist Don Oriolo and Dick Bokes in that episode as well. There's another episode called The Alien Guitar, where Tim Teal is on record saying that Area 51 exists. I knew it. And then... (laughs) Uh, Matt Ardinger, uh, a gentleman that I actually got to meet through Tim Teal years and years ago, there's an episode where the Matt Ardinger Model 1 
was talked about. And Matt, briefly, the stuff that I saw briefly talks about how you got you know interested in building guitars. That's all we'll say for now because that's a, a program you really do need to become a Backstage Access member to see. So we're not going to come on a podcast and spoil everything and ruin the uh, exclusivity. But uh, except to say you really should go and consider joining because I got to see uh, two or three episodes before this uh, in you know front to back. There was a really good one about the Hateful Eight guitar. It's just a really cool program. Floyd Herrera from uh, Artist Relations uh, is, is a co-host there, and it's, it's a really well-put-together program. So if you haven't thought about doing that yet but want to see what the next episodes might be, that's what the ones are that I missed. And after this episode's over, uh, I'll do some editing, and I'll do some peeking at the Martin website, catch up on those episodes. But I don't know if you got to see those yet, Spoon? No, I have not. It's been uh, much of my life has not belonged to me in recent weeks, which is also part of the reason I'm so behind with my my uh, new uh, 2024 Martin reviews and all that. But um, yeah, I remember Matt, and he uh, he was uh, one of several uh, people that Martin had collaborated with to make those kind of special models. And you know, his by Martin standard was was pretty. Uh, progressive and futuristic and had stuff like uh, the fretboard markers were off to the side on the base side, that sort of thing. And, and, um, and other, you know, interesting technology with the, with the neck joints and all that. So, and of course, Felix the cat, which is, which is fondly thought of by some people, but is also the, but of many jokes by, you know, the sort of people that think Martin should, everything should have a plain spruce top and, and, you know, basically be in size triple O or size D in mahogany or rosewood. But, um, but it really kicked off uh, a lot of very fun um, Martin models that had those kind of tops um, with, you know, interesting paint, the cowboy guitars and all those things that, that they yeah. went through over the, you know, showing off their ability to, to put artwork on, on top of them. I think perhaps my favorite of all those kind of uh, art, arty tops was the uh, Get Out the Vote, the David Crosby one, the picture of the cross on it. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but yes, I was never a big Felix the Cat fan. I know, I think for people a little older than I am, he was a much bigger force in their comics life than, than he was for me. But uh, the more the merrier when it comes to interesting guitars. I'm more of a Peanuts and Woodstock and Snoopy guy, but that's uh, that's for another show. Yeah. Well, I still cherish my uh, Peanuts uh, Christmas ornaments that my sister got me that is uh, Snoopy playing an electric guitar with an amp and Woodstock standing on the amp. <laughs> so I have that in my Christmas decorations. So Standing or dancing? Um, well, I, Snoop, Snoopy's kind of, you know... Dancing and, and yeah, but Woodstock is yeah, I guess grooving up on the amp, big big stack amplifier. So, <laughs> well, guys, that's gonna do it for this episode. But we can't get out of here without thanking our Patreon family very very sincerely. It's you guys that are keeping us afloat. Those of you in the know know that Maury's music is transitioning from music store to podcast. So we need sponsors. We need help. We were just this close to calling Sarah McLaughlin, having her doing like a, a sad puppy rescue video for us where, you know, just 60 cents a day and you can help a podcaster, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But kidding aside, it's the Patreon members that have kept us afloat and we really do appreciate all you guys do. If you'd like to join, you can get really cool perks like early access to videos, behind the scenes, 
never seen before or rarely seen footage from uh, our past. Uh, I know we put up a couple of pictures the very first day we ever met at NASFest, things like that. And then with these new NAM releases, you're getting either early access to our footage, sometimes unedited footage, and whatever happens in the public eye, you get to see it early. So please consider heading that way. And if you're an Authentic Series member, you get to watch a video version of this podcast. Just say no to puppets is going to be a, a pretty cool <laughs> catchphrase or hashtag soon. But you get to see the, the video ecam call where Spoon and I are literally recording this message before it gets chopped into pieces, put into puppets, and all that stuff. So if you want to see the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, exclusive content, that's a really good reason to check it out. Or maybe you just want to help support the cause. Regardless, um, I won't speak for Spoon. I'll let him say it in his own way. But we're very, very grateful. Well, I'm going to say it in my own way. I'm going to use my puppet voice. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we appreciate it. Got some special video coming up from the NAM models very soon. It's not sock puppets. It's regular puppets. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what he means is thank you. Thank you for translating. <laughs> <laughs> so we got an, another great episode coming up next week. It's so secret, even we don't know what it's about. But please tune in. <laughs> we guarantee we're going to bring our A-game. And there's always something new to talk about, whether it's Martin's, whether it's more. Uh, we're dedicated to bringing you some fun content every single Monday. Please... Consider sharing this with a friend, and if you're so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We might even read your review on the air. This is where I would say one, but we haven't had one in weeks. From all of us at Martin's and more, thanks for listening. Hear you later. Hear you later.